Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler, and I am uh, here with you each and every Saturday morning chatting with you about the things that I think you'll find interesting and relevant to how to plan well for your family, how to uh, how to plan to leave a legacy, how to protect uh, generational wealth, um, how to protect assets from things like long-term care and taxes. Uh, and so we have built a law firm, and I've built a career helping people uh, plan for these issues, and, and I find it to be extremely gratifying work. And we, uh, we start with education first. So I do things like this radio show, and we do our live workshops in the office, which you can find out about at the website, secularlawfirm.com. And we do these things because uh, I've just I've seen situations where if you call a law firm and you ask them, and you tell them, I need to get a will, they ask you, okay, great, who's the name of your executor and who gets the stuff? And from my standpoint, uh, this is a little bit more complicated than that. We need, to, we need to consider some other goals and objectives. We need to think through this a little bit more. It's not just about planning for who inherits the money when you pass away. And I come to you this week chatting with you. I am recording this episode on my birthday. It's a milestone birthday for me. Uh, I have officially hit the big 4-0. And, you know, I, uh, I, remember, I remember when my dad uh, turned 40, and I, I remember thinking just how darn old that really was. You know, they had, they had the party for him with the over-the-hill balloons and, and the gag gifts and all of the rest. And I was probably, well, I don't know, I don't want to do the math on the spot. I was probably uh, 10 or 12 at the time. And, and you know, the, the, uh, the funny thing about all of this is it, it got real for me really quick. You know, already this morning I'm getting text messages from friends about when the Geritol shows up, uh, and it's good. And it's been a conversation around here all week. So, so my wife, my family, my kids have been talking about my birthday all week, as you know, as tends to happen. And I've been thinking a lot about it, and I've been watching what's going on in the office. And you know, I, I kind of wanted to chat with you about these milestones and these different issues that we encounter as we age and as we as we find uh, different needs, different concerns uh, as life changes. You know, because just this week in the office, we, we signed a will for a family uh, with young kids, uh, a brand-new child that came in uh, in what my wife and I called the bucket, you know, the little child carrier car seat. We, we always called it the bucket. And so the kid comes in in the bucket, and, uh, and they're signing the will, and we're talking about the little child and how we're going to take care of them and all the rest and and so we we helped families this week and then i i was working uh on a case where um where our client is uh in a nursing home uh you know and, and is a grandparent uh and we're in this particular case, we, we really had a nice, successful result. It was tough getting there, but it turns out that grandma and great-grandma are currently residing in the same nursing home, and they get to see each other every day. They have different ailments, but they recognize each other. They see each other, and, um, and you just think about how 
life changes. Um, you know, and, and it turns out that granddaughter in the same family came to our workshop this week and needs to do estate planning. So now we're talking about, you know, helping granddaughter when we helped grandma get um, care and, and uh, paid for by the state in the nursing home and, and just the impacts that we get to have uh, in this business. And it's really, it's really gratifying. It's really heartwarming. And, and I'm just really thankful. And what I've been sort of thinking about for this week's episode is to talk to people about sort of the different stages when um, when people come to us for estate plans, right? And, and what are the different concerns and what are the things that I think they're missing and what are the things that I think that they should be thinking about that perhaps they aren't thinking about? Uh, and, and so I suppose uh, first and foremost – one of the things that um, the first time people come in is usually after they've become married or when uh, when they have their first child, right? So typically families in their 20s, we have a little baby, and now the, these new parents are sort of thrust into a, a situation of, of uh, ultimate responsibility that they've never had before, and they know that they need to get a will. And, and so... We're, we're managing with them and we're educating them on a number of different issues. Um, wills, sometimes we talk about trust, depending on what the factual situation is. Um, and so what are, what are the highlights? Well, let's, let's go through them all. So then, um, so we've got young families. The next time people tend to come in is, is like as the child is approaching college years, right, or, or as approaching uh, leaving the home. Um, and the parents then that are our client start to have different concerns. They have different concerns because now they know their child, and they know their child is an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, and they know this kid is not going to be good with money, or this kid is going to be great with money, or this kid has a poor chase in, in romantic suitors, and or this kid uh, has whatever other issue, uh, alcohol, parties too hard, whatever the case is, and so now we're planning for a little bit of a different situation. The next time people come to see us is usually like retirement years, right? So we're thinking about retirement. We want to know. We're working with our financial advisor. Our financial advisor is putting together all the, the spreadsheets to let us know if we can successfully retire. And we want to know, like, what does our estate plan look like? What should we do? What are our concerns now, right? And then th- at that point, we're really into some factual situations because if they have kids, the kids are up in years. We're starting now to transition, and, and we're comfortable with transitioning decision-making to kids, uh, and, and so things, uh, things change a little bit. And then, and then we have like the golden year clients, right? The, the, my senior clients, my, um, 80, 75, 80 year old, uh, up clients who are, uh, are concerned about things like long-term care. They're concerned about things like death taxes because the, the, the idea of needing an estate plan soon is very real in their mind. And, and so the concerns tend to change a little bit as life goes on. And so what I'd like to do is just sort of walk through these four stages, young parents, uh, people that are about to be empty nesters, soon to be retirees, and then and then the golden year grandparents, um, and so starting with starting with young families, <clears throat> the most common way to plan uh, for this stuff, and and let's keep in mind that estate planning, uh, using wills and trusts, what we're really managing at its core, we're we're managing control and access. Who's in control of me and my things? Who's got access to me and my things? And when, when I'm alive and well, if I get sick and when I pass away, who's in control of my stuff, who can access my stuff and who's, and, uh, and, and what are the relevant times when things change. And so let's take, for example, when I'm alive and well, I'm in control of my stuff, right? I've just shared with you, it's my 40th birthday. I've got my health. I've got, um, the ability to make whatever decisions I want. And so I'm really in control of my situation right now. Um, but I, 
am very aware as an estate planner that things can change fast. So on my way home this evening, I could be in a car accident and I could bounce my head off of the dashboard. And tomorrow, I don't have the same mental faculties that I do today. So what is what is the decision? What is the thing that we need to do? And the most common uh, way that we handle the situation of incapacity in a document that young parents need to get is a document called a power of attorney. Now, if the young parents are married, married couples tend to own assets jointly together, right? Uh, so if I would become incapacitated, my wife could still access the money in our account, our, our joint account. But what about my retirement account? See, an IRA is just an individual owned asset. That's what an IRA is, individual retirement account. That's just mine. Now, sure, if I pass away, I have named my lovely wife as a beneficiary. But if I'm uh, alive and I just can't make decisions anymore, now that's a situation where I've lost control. And so we need to, we need to transfer that control. We need to uh, do it. And we do it with a document called a power of attorney. And this is a document that expands the ages. If you, uh, if you are listening to this and you are above the age of 18, it is my opinion you should have a power of attorney document. Now, what that document authorizes and who your agent is under the power of attorney uh, might vary. Uh, but we often will do uh, power of attorney documents for kids leaving for school because mom and dad are used to mom and dad are used to taking care of their child, helping them with their finances, and now my son is going to move off to college, uh, and uh, and we still want to be able to access the bank account and and do those things. So I really think that the power of attorney is is a document everybody should have. But getting back to like our young parents, all right. So we we got to have the power of attorney. The other thing that we're likely going to do is a will, occasionally a trust, but usually a will. Um, and here's what's interesting about the will. The will is going to say it does a couple of things for parents of young kids. It's going to name who the executor is. That typically would be the spouse in a married case. It's going to name um, who gets the stuff. Um, sometimes that's all to my spouse. Sometimes it's not. Um, and it's going to name guardians for little children in case uh, my wife and I both die in an accident. We're going to agree ahead of time as to who we want the guardian of our children to be. So we can leave all of that in a will. Now, another thing a will does when we have little kids is it can create an underage trust, right? So it creates a trust for the kids. And so if I pass away and my child is six, then the assets that go through my will, I want it to get into a trust. And then I'm going to name somebody responsible to be the trustee on that trust probably until age 25 or 30. Okay, so that's an underage trust. Now, what we like to do in our office, just a little anecdote, is we don't terminate the trust at age 25 or 30. What we do is we have the trust uh, transition to where um, the child used to have to deal with, like, probably an uncle or an aunt. Now the child just becomes a trustee in the trust, and they get control of the money, but the money stays in the trust because we, by doing it that way, we can protect the kid from the next issue that, that, may, uh, that they may encounter at age 25, which is asset protection, what happens if they go through a divorce and whatnot. But So bringing it back, young parents need to have uh, a power of attorney. They should have a will, and that will should create underage trust for the kids. Uh, you may consider that the guardian that you name for your child might not be the same person that you name as the trustee on the trust because then we get a little bit of checks and balances. We get a, a, a couple of people paying attention to what's going on here. Um, now, one other thought I want to mention for the young family is don't forget about the beneficiary designation and don't forget about the life insurance. Right? So I recently was working with a family, and they had a little kid, and, and they had $100,000 of life insurance. And I told them flat out, that's not enough. You need 
you need to uh, go talk to somebody and you need more life insurance because if you pass away, $100,000 is going to get smoked uh, in short order and your kid is going to be, in, in, and your spouse is going to be in real trouble. And so I, I am a, I'm an insurance heavy guy and, and so I had to counsel this family, you need to go buy some more insurance. But the, the, the next component about that is, let's say they go out and get the, the insurance. They go out and get seven figures of life insurance. Great. Where are we going to send the money? Right, because I've got a will now that says all to my spouse and then to the kids uh, in a trust. But remember, will uh, the life insurance is a beneficiary designated asset. It's not subject to the provisions of the will, and so we have to be um, very careful to name the trust that we created under the will. Probably, look, and this may not be right for everybody, so don't just go do it based on what you hear on a radio show, but. The idea would be that we would leave the life insurance to the trust for the benefit of the little kid, and then we get uh, the trusted uncle or aunt to, to make the decisions with regard to that money rather than the kid getting this windfall at age 18 or 21. Uh, if we're going to do underage planning, let's do underage planning for all of the assets. And, and this, is why, this is why a lot of families that do the self-help estate planning fail because they fail to realize that the will doesn't cover everything, and, and we need to coordinate the assets with the estate plan to make the thing work. And that's what makes an effective estate plan. And you can learn more about it by coming to one of our estate planning workshops or checking out the materials on our website. You can find all of that at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. The law firm main headquarters is right here in Cranberry Township, just off the interstate. I could throw a football, well, I could throw a football three or four times and I could hit the interstate. Uh, And so it's super easy to get to for just about anybody uh, in Pittsburgh. And I, I think we do a nice job, and I think we do a nice job of educating you on on the things that you should probably know when constructing your estate plan. So the next time period I want to talk about is is sort of the empty nesters or soon-to-be empty nesters. So we, we have clients come in, and the kids are 18 to 25, and, and they're leaving college or they're getting their first jobs, and they're getting married, and the parents have some concerns. Sometimes we have concerns about the child's, um, the adult child's ability to manage money. So we're revisiting this issue about who needs to be in control of these dollars? Under what terms and conditions can they access the dollars? Do we need to spread it out over time? Should we leave uncle in charge until the 30th birthday now? Maybe maybe we said 25 before and we don't think it's long enough. Um, <clears throat> the, other people, the other thing that people tend to be concerned about at about this time is when my clients have children in the 18 to 25 range, the, the conversation's coming around about the kids getting married at some point in time, right? So if they get married, what happens, right? And, and this really is a couple of things. One, if I leave my money to my kid and my kid goes through a divorce, um, and he's received the inheritance, and then the, his my daughter-in-law or my son-in-law files for divorce, what happens to the inheritance? And the answer is, it's really a factual determination. I mean, there I, I doubt very many judges would... You know, if if I pass away and give it to my kid and his wife files for divorce next week, I doubt very many judges are going to give him the money. But let's say that my kid takes the money and pays off the mortgage on their jointly owned home and buys a buys a minivan for all of my future little grandbabies and then pays off his wife's student loans because they don't like that interest rate. And they do what we would consider to be probably like the smart kid stuff. Like they actually spend the money on, on prudent things. But then a couple years later, uh, my daughter-in-law files for divorce. Now we can't even really tell whose is whose. Uh, and so one of the things that we like to do in our office is is we we have really moved toward getting away from doing outright distributions with our estate plans. And we're giving your kids 
a trust that they can manage and they can access and they can get to the money, but no one else can. And we're trying to protect it from their divorces and we're trying to protect it from their potential future car accidents or lawsuits or professional liability, depending on what they do. And so I, I really am a fan of giving, um, giving our clients' children their inheritance in a trust because that continues to protect it from the things like the divorce. The other thing that it can do is I have uh, I have clients who will say to me, okay, look, my son uh, got married, and we, we like the young lady, um, but, you know, she, uh, she kind of comes from her own financial circumstances, and we have this grandchild. You know, our, our, my son and, da- and daughter-in-law have a grandchild. And it really is important to us that if I pass away and, and the money goes to my son, but when my son passes away, I really want that money to be for the benefit of my grandchild, not my daughter-in-law. And then they'll usually say something like, does that sound harsh? And, you know, and the answer is, well, it's not harsh because it's whatever you want to do. Um, and I, I probably get asked if that sounds harsh three or four times a week. And so if it's harsh, then everybody's harsh. But I I think there's this tendency to think that I want the money to follow the blood. Because if my son, if I leave my money to my son and he dies young and we leave it all to his wife, his wife is likely going to remarry. And whoever she remarries may have kids. And now I don't know that my grandchildren are going to be taken care of the same way that I would like them. So I feel like my obligation is to take care of my grandchild, not my former daughter-in-law's future husband's kids, right? Uh, and so, and so I, I think I get it, and, and it makes a, a ton of sense. And so that's really where the planning is, is going on there. Sometimes we do it with a will. Sometimes we use trust depending on the situation and what's going on. Um, and so then the third time people come to see us about estate planning is, is around the retirement age, right? So um, we're looking at retirement, and our financial advisor has us on his checklist that we need to update our estate plans because we haven't done it since, you know, for the last 15 years since the kids left school. And we have to uh, we have to do some planning. Now these folks are contemplating retirement, right? They're they're really like it's palatable. They can see it. Like we we've already got a trip planned for next year. And my question that I usually ask um, retirees is, okay, great, you've worked hard, you've saved money. That's wonderful, right? You're living your version of the American dream. Your kids are out of the house. You got healthy grandkids or unhealthy grandkids or whatever the situation is, but you're doing your best here, right? And my question I have is, okay, you want to retire. What's going to get in your way, right? What, what are the things that could get in your way from having a successful retirement? And it's the financial advisor's job, not my job, but it's the financial advisor's job to, to sort of consider that, okay, do they have enough money? What's their monthly income? What are their income needs? What are their spending needs? And do we have enough money to match up with that? So let's assume that they're retiring comfortably, and the idea is, yes, we feel like we have enough money for that. Great. Okay, good. So then what is the thing that can get in their way? And the answer is almost always long-term care, right? Um, Pennsylvania releases a figure every year that is the average cost of a nursing home in Pennsylvania per month, and this year's figure is $14,676 a month, almost fifteen grand. That's about $180,000 a year. And when people retire, if they end up with uh, some health issue that needs that level of care, there's not a lot of retirement plans. There's not a lot of income forecasts that we're, we're trying to chart out how successful of a retirement can we have that take into account losing hundred eighty grand a year to a skilled nursing facility. And so our job at that point, what I really see our job to do is, is we shift from a 
um, how do we spend it to a how do we protect it conversation. And then we, we often will get involved with the financial advisor on a team approach to protect the assets. I, I like to use uh, tools called asset protection trusts to protect the assets. Um, and the idea then is we can, we can put the home, we can put some money into a trust that after a couple of years, if the person goes to the nursing home, the assets in that trust are safe. Uh, and, and this can ensure that there is a, a, a home for the spouse to live in. This can ensure that there is a legacy to transfer at some point in time. And it really can work out well for our retirees and soon-to-be retirees. So I, in our office, we put a lot of homes into asset protection trusts. And it's something you ought to take a look at. Again, you can find out more about it by calling the office at 724 546 Four two two seven, uh, or come to one of our estate planning workshops, which you can find at secklerlawfirm.com. It is spelled S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. We host the workshops right in our office in Cranberry. Uh, we have fresh-baked cookies. One of my team members actually makes the cookies, even though I tell her to stop. She loves doing it. Uh, so come in. Learn about this stuff. Learn about whether the firm is a good fit for you. Learn about whether our philosophy and our approach to helping you and your family works. Uh, a lot of families seem to be pretty happy with the way that we're doing things, and, and I think you'll have a similar experience. So if this is a thing that you've been putting off for a while, uh, maybe it's time to get off the back burner and move it to the front burner, and let's get it done. And the first step is to attend one of our workshops. You can find about it at secklerlawfirm.com. Okay. Now, finally, the last time that we end up working with people on their estate plans are like my senior seniors, right? 75, 80, 85 years old in their, their 90s. Um, it's a different conversation at this point because a lot of the time, yes, our concern is still the nursing home. And, and we're still using asset protection trust and we're still using um, uh, some of the same tools that we're using for retirees. But the thing that is changing is often um, our senior seniors need help, right? The kids are stepping up at this point. The kids are helping to make decisions. The kids are actively engaged in helping mom with the day-to-day, -day, whether from a healthcare standpoint or whether from a financial management standpoint. And, and now we're having to restructure some documents and restructure some things because the, the idea of needing the kids' help has just become real. Before, it was hypothetical. Yeah, I want this daughter. Yeah, I want this daughter. Uh, but now people have moved, and now there's somebody closer. And the reality of the situation is this, this child might be stepping up more than we thought that they were going to step up. The other thing is, you know, we may be having health issues at this point. The, the conversation may go from what happens if I need the nursing home in the future to we think we need the nursing home now. You know, mom, uh, mom is not in a safe environment anymore or, or whatever the case is. And so now what we're often doing is, is more advanced asset protection and long-term care planning strategies to help the person find the right level of care and to help the person um, um, figure out how they're going to pay for the right level of care. And in our office, we take, like, a really holistic approach. So we have uh, several office here, uh, several attorneys here in the office, one of whom is a nurse and has a great deal of experience understanding the long-term care industry. We've just hired a social worker to help with um, helping people make the right level of decision. Because if you've ever been in the position where I have to help make a care decision for my senior, and you start researching care options, right, and, and you go through in-home care and all the various providers of in-home care, and then sometimes is there a government program to help us pay for this? Is there a state program, a federal program? And then you, 
you find out about like adult daycare centers and then you, you start researching personal care homes and skilled nursing facilities. And this entire system is really confusing. It really is. And, and oftentimes the person, at the, the, you know, the, the intake person at the personal care home will tell you, yes, mom is appropriate to come here. And then the person at the skilled nursing facility will say, yes, mom is appropriate to come here. So where's mom more appropriate? And, and so we, we, have um, team members that have been in the long-term care industry trying to sort out and give independent opinion on what's the right option. And if it is, if we see uh, the ability to get the right level of care and to make legal and financial moves to get the um, to get that care paid for by uh, Medicaid or the Veterans Administration, well, then that's what we do. So we're trying to line up the care needs with the ability to pay for it, so our clients don't go broke. Because I can tell you firsthand, these rules are harsh. If I go into the nursing home, there is a significant chance my wife is going to lose our house. There's a significant chance my wife is not going to be able to afford the standard of living we worked for 50 years to achieve. Because at 180 grand a year, or even in a personal care home at, say, $100,000 a year, we're not able to do what we thought we were going to do. And so at that point, my law firm, I see our moral, moral objective is to help this family through this complicated government rule book that is unfortunate in that it makes people go broke if they need the nursing home. I don't know why we treat that people that way. I wish some politicians would wake up to the fact that this is that this is really bad stuff for the middle class, 180 grand a year for the nursing home. Um, and when you couple that statistic with with what um, the Alzheimer's Association is telling us that one in three seniors is going to end up with dementia, then what you know it 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 works out to the scenario. Well, yeah, people are going broke, and and our government isn't doing anything to change the rules, and and so you got to take care of yourselves, and th- that's kind of the conversation that we have with our clients in those senior years. So I hope you learned something on today's episode. I'm running out of time. Please don't make any decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show for that, uh, for that matter. This is an educational program. My goal in doing this is to get you some things maybe you didn't need before and, and maybe uh, encourage you to take some action to plan for some of these things because uh, there are lots of situations where families are finding themselves in trouble because they didn't adequately plan because they didn't know their options. My objective, my law firm's objective, is to get you those answers. So find out more at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. And I thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.